Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. Welcome back to another edition of Single Eye, the Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, coming to you after another Irish victory, the fifth of the uh, the fifth of the season, one of the most improbable uh, of this year, or maybe any year in recent memory. But hey, we're gonna jump into we're gonna jump into that and uh, and a whole lot more. I am one of your hosts, Frank Fatovich, joined as always by the president of the Kyle Hamilton Fan Club, Mr. Greg Flamong. Greg, how you doing, buddy? Did you calm down or not calm down? But did you uh, did did the anxiety levels uh, drop today after that madness last night? Uh oh yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> you know, winning is always good, right? Um, winning is winning is fun. <laughs> um, you know, it was such a strange. It was very strange night i guess to say the least um you know it's funny we we i think we all think about it as an improbable game but like an improbable win but we pretty clearly outplayed them we're gonna talk about that well as evidenced by our 97 percent post-game win expectancy i mean which uh yeah well i don't know about that but okay i know those what don't you know about that I know, I know those numbers. I know that's what the numbers say. You know what? Before we get into this, because this is going to be, I'm going to open the beer now because I'm going to need it. Uh, but give me one second here. Um, we got a, we got a fun one this week or this this day. Uh, it is a lovely double IPA uh, from Treehouse Brewing in in um, in Massachusetts. If anybody had followed me on Twitter, you might have seen Friday. My company was very nice. Dropped off a Notre Dame backpack full of delicious IPAs uh, from that are a little bit hard to find around here as a little present, which was, uh, which was quite nice. And this is, uh, this is one of those. So we'll, we'll see how this tastes. And then, then we're going to talk about this win expectancy stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That is, that is tasty. That is, I like it. I like it. Okay. Ooh, that's going to be like a four two five, maybe a four and a half out of five, uh, out of five stars. It's, it's almost quite, it's almost Julian love five star status, but not quite. So, all right. Hey, all right. It was win expectancy. Yes. I know I saw the, 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 the tweet with it, that it was 97%, but you, you think watching that game that we very clearly 
outplayed them for you know for the majority of the game? Yeah, I don't. I mean, we were better. We we had better yards per play. Um, we were better. Just we were more explosive than them. Um, we were we were moving the ball more consistently than they were. I mean, the pick six is what I mean. Right really kind of swayed things and that's that's our guy making a poor decision i mean the defensive back is just standing there um which i I don't even think colsey thought that ball was coming his way if you watch the replay either he he didn't or he just ran a terrible terrible well i it's it's hard (laughs) to know like what he's supposed to do right against a certain kind of defense Mm -hmm. like i mean when you look at the play itself like probably just throw the ball to Avery Davis for Who's like wide open in the middle the of the field. Down. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, I mean, we'll just zero in on this particular play. Like I don't love giving Buckner like a multi field kind of read situation there where it's yeah. like you have multiple options. Like that's the thing he's going to be at like worst at. Yeah. Um. So I don't, I don't love that. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also freshman and freshman. Like that's going to happen if you're going to if you're going to have a freshman quarterback thrown to a true freshman receiver. For sure. Yeah. Which, I mean, which yeah, Brian these... Kelly doesn't play true freshman receivers, though. So <laughs> I don't know. And these things, these things. So these things are going to come up. Is oh, the, uh, kind of the point. So, yeah. um, so there's that part of it. But the, the, you know, there's that. There was the, um, you know, we're we're moving the ball fine. And then they decided on a really fun phantom clipping penalty that yeah, it was terrible. You know, we're we're at least gonna kick a field goal to take the lead, and instead, we're you know we're getting a 15 yard penalty on basically something that didn't happen, and then we're throwing another interception. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I I think from a explosiveness standpoint, from a just an efficiency standpoint, from a um just kind of a turnover luck standpoint. I mean, we were, we were out playing them and that was actually the thing that made, I felt that way. And that was what made me so kind of angry, anxious watching the game is that like we spotted them 10, (laughs) two weeks in a row. Uh, yes, we spotted them 10, and then we came back and it was like, oh, okay. Like we kind of found ourselves. Yeah. And then, you know, you go up 21-16 and, you, you know, you feel like it's all going to kind of just like, okay, we'll move the ball and then we'll go up two scores and it'll be fine. And you throw a pick six and it's like, ugh, okay, yep. here we go. So. Yeah. I mean, I get you. I get seeing like. I just don't, it didn't feel like, again, when I saw the 97% win expectancy, I was like, it did not feel anywhere close to that to me. I could see the argument, like, you know, statistically, Notre Dame outplayed them, but not like to that extent. Um, You know, it just did not feel that way, uh, you know, kind of watching it, uh, which was, but uh, I mean, you think the other, there was another one that I saw. Uh, another similar similar stat was that after their last touchdown uh, that put them up eight, their win uh, or whatever it is on ESPN, their um, what do they call it? And I can't remember their their not their their win expectancy rate or whatever the hell they call it. Um, oh, the, the win probability, the, uh, win probability, the yeah. win probability on ESPN for Virginia Tech after that touchdown was ninety six point one percent in favor of Virginia Tech. 
which is crazy because when they played in 2019 in Notre Dame Stadium, I forget, it was something like 93%. You know, they had, uh, you know, they had a 93% win expectancy before Ian and Claypool connected for that fourth and 10, uh, you know, to, uh, to end up, you know, to eventually win that game. So that felt probably, and if you watch the, the, the meter, that meter of like the win expectancy throughout the game, that win expectancy, win probability on ESPN, when I saw that, I looked at it and that felt a little more how I, you know, my eyes showed me because it was a little, it was fairly even. It wasn't, you know, huge swings one way or another. And then it was like huge swing for tech. And then, you know, Notre Dame, obviously, uh, you know, it, it, it trending back towards, you know, towards us there you know, at the, you know, at the end, but it was a weird, weird, weird game. Uh, in just so many ways, like it, the the narratives of it are just like off the wall. Like I can't remember another time where Notre Dame, at least in my time, you know, watching or covering, you know, Notre Dame here at UHND, where they started a quarterback who got benched uh, for performance issues, which we're going to talk about because we all. It seems like almost everybody except Brian Kelly saw that coming. Um, who then has to come back in because the guy that replaced him that gave us the spark, he gets hurt and he's got to come in and save the day. And it's like, he comes in off the bench and it's like, I don't know why I got benched because I'm just going to move the ball and I'm just going to score 11 points in like three. What was it? It was like less than four minutes. It was less than four minutes. Yeah. It was like, yeah, three fifty something I think is when is what, uh, you know, Virginia tech, uh, you know, scored that touchdown with. And it's like, what? Like, who is it? Like that's that's like the a Jack Cone that we hadn't that we maybe we saw a little bit of against Florida State. We saw him, you know, move the ball like that. And we hadn't seen it. We definitely weren't seeing it in the beginning of the game when when Kelly pulled him. So I mean that from that perspective, it's it just like that kind of thing just doesn't doesn't happen, right? It's it's it, and then you get the game winner, you know, from forty eight from a guy who misses an extra point the week before. <laughs> it's like, it's insane. Uh, it was it was an emotional emotional roller coaster of of a football game, like more so than again most that I can remember in a long time. Uh, you know, watching watching this team, uh, but hey, it did end in a win, which is always like you said in the beginning. It's 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 a little bit more fun than than the alternative. It is a little bit more fun. Just um, I think the through line with Cone and. I feel like this is such like every conversation we have about quarterbacks is like a sample size caveat. But so when, when, when the opening drive against Florida state was, they were very hurry up, right? Like everything was going quickly. It was almost like a two minute situation. And obviously that drive went really well. And then you have the end of the Toledo game, which was again, a two minute kind of hurry up situation. You had um, this game at the end where, again, it's we got to go. We, we don't have time. We have to just go down and score as fast yeah. as we can. We're sitting in shotgun. Get the ball out. Let's go. And it just seems to me that that's how Jack Cohn is going to best operate when he's in the game. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel super sustainable over like a full 60 minutes. Right? Not unless we're not unless Chip Kelly's coming through the door anytime. Right, soon. like it just doesn't like he doesn't lend itself to that. It doesn't lend itself to like a really strong running game. It just doesn't. 
it just doesn't. But in like a small kind of we need a drive that that this is what we need to do with this particular quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's good, right? Like you we you kind of found like okay, this is how it's gonna work with him. And I don't know how you um. I don't know how they game plan it, right? Like they haven't yeah. been pl- like they haven't started any game like this. Um, so well, and obviously, and Florida State, Florida State, they came out tempo, right? And you can't, and obviously, you can't sustain it. It just seems you can't sustain it over the course of a whole game. So no, not not especially when your your offensive line has taken as many injuries as ours. And uh, I mean, you got what six scholarship receivers left who are healthy. Uh, you know, one of whom didn't make the trip to Blacksburg. So you right. have five, so you, like you have six, five receivers, five are, five are operative. Yeah. And then you get, you had this starting, you know, tight end, the all America, all American tight end. He was out. Uh, you lose another tight end in that game too, for one of the worst targeting calls I've seen, uh, you know, called against Notre Dame. And we've had some bad ones called against us, but I mean, Mitchell Evans basically gets called for targeting in that game. You know, just because he's six seven or whatever, right? It's like he he. I didn't know like what on earth that re- the replay officials like thought he could reasonably do besides like either get shorter or make himself like invisible all of a sudden in that in that scenario. But it that that is what it is. The referees were just it, I, I, the ACC referees are just brutal uh, at this point. I mean, they're they're bad. Like, it's not like, oh, woe is us. Like, everybody thinks the referees are bad against them. But, like, these were really bad. You know, you had the phantom clipping. You had the targeting on, on Evans. You had, I mean, the one play early on, uh, Myron getting through the line, it basically is tackled from behind. And there's no flag for that. You know, he's he's was he beat his guy. He's you know going for a sack basically, and essentially is tackled from behind. And you know, no flag. You know, no flag thrown there. Um, and I know Virginia Tech fans are all up in arms because they want they wanted holding called on Josh Lug on the two point conversion, uh, but they conveniently don't want to also admit that on the two point conversion. I don't know who it was, but the you know the which defensive back it was for Tech had his entire hand inside the helmet of Kevin Austin and pulled him back. And somehow Kevin Austin catches that, which is like, again, talk about the craziness between week to week. Last week you had Austin midfield, they're close to midfield. Nobody around him drops a big, you know, 25, 30 yard gain that probably would have had a ton more yards after the catch drops that, but then catches this improbable two point conversion. You know, I mean, I don't know if you I basically call that a hail Mary, because, I mean, Cone just kind of lobs it up from the 15 and is like, well, Takis is there. You know, Austin is there. Hopefully one of them comes down with it. But anyway, you know, the, the tech guy's hand is in the helmet, pulling him back. It's like those referees were just they were they were I was not a fan of those referees. And I have not been a fan of the ACC referees in particular this entire season. I really didn't appreciate the um, the call on Kyle. That one was. I, oh, I definitely didn't appreciate that. That was I, terrible. You know, that was a great hit. That was it, it was ridiculous that they called that. But sorry, what were you going to say? You were going to well, say no, you're I, I was going to say appreciate. I was going to say the uh, the Logan Diggs when you're letting him hit him out of bounds. Oh and, yeah, and 
and I just don't understand like the 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 juxtaposition of you know Logan Diggs is still running forward. How is the defender supposed to know? It's like well he's on the white for one. Exactly. I mean it's it's at some point. He stepped out like five yards ahead of that. He's on the white. It's not like there's a bunch of bodies. Yeah. Right. And you you let it happen. You just let him smash him out of bounds. And and it's like you don't have. So you see the guy go out of bounds and the whistle is blown. And you let him hit him. And it's like, oh, but it's okay because. Because it he was still running forward and you don't yeah. know that he's out of bounds. Right. And that's okay to hit him. Right. Yeah. But then the quarterback is going to throw the ball a split second before a sprinting player comes in and hits him. And it's like, no, it's it's too many steps. It were, you were too close to it's like. What? How, how does that work? Like, how, how do you how is one OK and the other is not? It just doesn't it doesn't make sense. It's shenanigans. That's it's inconsistent great. shenanigans and tomfoolery. Yeah. It's just and we're not uh, we're that, not going to let it stand. Right. I'm just looking for a consistency here. Right. Like, don't don't tell me one time it's OK that he hit him late because of X. And then this time it's like, no, actually, you can never do that. Well, it's maybe like, maybe maybe, you know, Kyle Hamilton's an All-American. Maybe the ref shouldn't have to tell him, you know, to, to pull up or I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's what the ref was thinking since. Since we know the ref told him against Cincinnati that uh, that, that he's not going to get a holding call when he's clearly held because he's an All-American. So maybe maybe they're still ha- holding him to a higher standard. I don't know. But uh, it was just they were bad. They were very, very, very bad. Um, I just didn't appreciate it. Yeah. I don't appreciate it. It, it, it wasn't Diggs. Wasn't, the, wasn't it Kyron? I think Kyron took a, a shot when he was out of bounds, too, after that. Um, and if you go back and watch, it is... Again, it's probably it's it's a 15, 20 years ago, probably not a penalty, you know, because they let things go back then. But even on the play right before I think it was right before the field goal, actually, Kyron does a little run. Uh, Yeah, it was. It was the third and one that they stopped before we sent door out to kick the field goal. Kyron gets stopped and the, the Virginia Tech defender tackles him. He's on top of him as he's getting up. He like pushes Kyron like just like wasn't like a full-on slap, but like it was definitely intentional if you watch it. There was no other reason to do it. He just like pushes Kyron's face like right like after the play is clearly over. And it's like, well, okay. Again, you're gonna call late hits. Otherwise, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna call roughing the passer. But after this guy tackles Kyron, you know, he can he can just, you know, push his head down like once he's on the turf. No, like it was, it was, I tweeted it out. I was like, am I the only one that saw this? And like 10 other people were like, you are not the only one that saw this. So I was like, okay, at least I wasn't going crazy, but <laughs> it was just ridiculous. Like I am not a fan of these ACC. I'm not a fan of these ACC road games. Um, even though we win them like a lot, um, which is kind of fun. It's like, you know, it, it's so funny that I think that we mentioned it on one of our, it was either, it was, I think it was on one of our pods. Where it's like you know, the ACC has a very odd way of trying to entice Notre Dame to to join full time because you know the ACC is like just dying for that after last year it, they've made no no they haven't hidden hidden that their desire for Notre Dame to uh, you know to uh, you know to to join the conference full time they have an odd way of showing it 
by these, you know, these irregularities in officiating and, and inconsistencies in officiating, um, you know, when, when, when it happens, but yeah, here's the stat. I was trying to look it up since speaking of these ACC games, Greg, do you want to take a guess? What do you think since 2017 Notre Dame's record is against ACC opponents in the regular season since the Brian Kelly reboot? Uh, something in one, right? Isn't it like 25 and one or something? That it is. Look at you. I'm staring at the game notes and I have this. You just pull it out. Pull it. <laughs> you just pull it out. You're like, eh, I don't know. It's like I've been keeping this tally a mental note of this for now. <laughs> and it, yes, 25 and one against ACC opponents, um, you know, since uh, since 2017. And we all know the ill-fated one, uh, which was, uh, oof, that game still sucks. But, hey, um, that's a pretty good record. Like, also, maybe, I mean, if you're the ACC, do you want that in your conference? Like, we just don't lose to the conference in the regular season. So, but, anyway, I did not expect the the referee tangent to come up as early as it did but it, i knew it was coming because i was fired up last night i was like i don't even want to be in this in this stupid five game arrangement with the acc anymore i don't want to be associated with them i don't know what other conference can we can we get a deal like this with that's where i was at last night because i was getting so mad but <laughs> um anyway so the big question greg and we, you know we threw the questions out there we said, hey, like you ask us questions. There's two big themes of themes of all the questions. We'll we'll ask them specifically. But can you can you take a guess? What do you think out of that game were the two biggest themes of uh, you know of questions that uh, that came our way today? Uh, who should start a quarterback against USC? That is one of the themes. What do you think the other one is? Um, is the offensive line going to be good still? still you mean now um but yes yes all right that is that is those were those those were the two themes and that's the biggest i mean i think there's three takeaways you know from the game in general and that is you know maybe we found something at quarterback it might not be the answer we all want or we all wanted but um we might have found some answers uh the offensive line and then to me, the third takeaway is still some of the things going on on defense, which we'll we'll, we'll jump into that you know, j- jump into that as uh, you know as well. Um, well, I mean, and just in general, the, the the youth movement as well that we saw in Blacksburg is kind of ridiculous. Um, I mean, hell, one at one point last night, you had a true freshman quarterback, true freshman left tackle, true freshman running back, and a true freshman tight end all on the field at the same time, uh, which is not what any of us probably thought you know, was going to happen, you know, by game six, um, you know, maybe, you know, the, we knew Fisher and you think maybe, okay, maybe it's Fisher and Buckner, but, uh, not the, not the alignment that, uh, that we ended up, uh, that we ended up seeing. So let's, let, let's, uh, let, let, you want to take some of the questions about quarterback first and then, yeah, and then we'll why, why don't we, why don't we do that? Cause it, we, we'll just end up rehashing. Exactly. Okay. So let me, let me get all of these. Um, and you know, maybe we'll just, maybe, should I just read the, all the questions? Why don't you, yeah. Why don't you read them all and then we'll, and then we'll just, just answer. go through. We'll, we'll cover yeah. all of our bases. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like this. I like this. I like this, this, this plan that we just came up with on the fly. All right. We have, um, yeah, this one is, uh, this is well. That's more hypothetical. I'm gonna ask that one later. Okay. So we here we go. We got uh, we got Drew Payment at Drew Payment asked: Does Kelly start Cone or Buckner against USC? Should he manage it like Golson and Reese 
or keep with cone starting? So I think that's a kind of a common question a lot of people are, are asking. Um, yeah, another one that's interesting relative to, to Buckner, we got another one here from at Clutch Sports ND. After watching Buckner run the offense, can he clean up the mistakes if he takes the first team reps as the presumed starter? And then I think there's one more on, I thought there was one more on, uh, on quarterbacks. Uh, da, 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 da. Yes. Well, this one, this one is kind of related to quarterbacks. Um, actually, this is one from Robert's, um, uh, Halaki, or uh, Haliki. Uh, yeah, it's actually three-parter. One of which is about the question. One of which is about the uh, the quarterbacks. One of uh, one of these questions that was also about the Dallas Cowboys, since uh, since Robert and I were going <laughs> back and forth about the Eagles and Cowboys today. But uh, we'll just cover that one off uh, first. He says, Frank, are you expecting a Dallas Cowboys deep playoff run? Uh, and then two part, the, the second part, does the evolution of the offense depend on a specific quarterback or do we simply need to modify the offensive game plan, i.e. go up tempo slash two minute drill, which you've already kind of started to talk about. So we could dive into that more. Yeah. Then he had a question again, very, what I, what I'm alluded to as the kind of the three themes is just, are we concerned about the D at all? Um, so we'll talk about the defense later. I'll cover off on the Cowboys question now. Robert, no, I am not expecting the Cowboys to make a deep playoff run because, you know, even a couple of years ago when they were 13 and three and had home field, they lost that first divisional round game or the, the divisional round game to uh, to the Packers. So, no, I am not expecting I'm expecting the Cowboys, you know, to do what. Uh, you know, I'm expecting the Cowboys to do what the what the Cowboys do, and that's uh, they will probably you know most likely choke. So that's that's my thought. And you know what? I actually thought of this today, Greg. Do you, what do Microsoft and the Dallas Cowboys kind of have in common? Oh, let's hear it. They the last time both were on top of the world, it was 1995. Oh, <laughs> I thought about that. I'm I'm a sick individual. I thought of that today in the grocery store for some reason, and I have no idea why. It just came to me, and I was like, hey, you know what? And the Windows 95, the Cowboys 90. All right, I like it. I'm gonna. And then this just came up, so that was just serendipitous that I was able to uh, to, to work to work that in. So let's start to unpack these these quarterback questions, though. All right, let's start. Let, I mean, again, a couple questions around who should start against USC. I think I'm gonna know your answer. So let, why don't you just start there? Um, I would I would go Buckner. Still. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, That's the direction I would go. Uh, I I agree. Um, you know, he clearly has his faults right now, uh, which we knew, right? Every, like, if Tyler Buckner played a senior season of high school football and then came to Notre Dame as an early enrollee, like I feel like he, you know, would have started, or maybe it would have been, would have factored into the the starting, you know, competition, you know, more than he did. But we all knew that was the big thing. Like we all knew. All right, Buckner was probably the most talented, like just raw, like in terms of talented, just physically gifted quarterback that Kelly's recruited. Maybe you know his entire time here. I mean, Brandon was a top top one hundred, you know, ish recruit. Yeah, or you know, top 50, 60, whatever whatever he was. So, but he was also you know a, just a physically gifted player differently than than Buckner, like. Wimbush didn't come to Notre Dame with the pedigree of like, oh, accomplished passer, uh, you know, just needs to or, uh, he didn't come with that pedigree. He came in more as a, you know, kind of the run first quarterback. 
you know, that the mentality and, and the question with him was always going to be, could he become the passer? We know the answer. Um, but I mean, other than that, like the Buckner is the, the, the highest rated outside of outside of Brandon. You know, he had the five star status at, at some points in the in the process. We knew he had the arm. We knew he could run. We knew he could do all of it. But what we didn't know is if he had seen enough to be ready to play this year. I mean, his sophomore year, he loses almost the whole year because of the injury. Junior year, lights it up against, uh, you know, lesser competition. He transfers for his senior year and then doesn't get it. Um, and I think it was an interesting debate that happened at the time of would would Buckner have just been better not enrolling early and playing a senior season and having it another senior, another season of, you know, uh, you know, blitzes thrown at him and coverages that, that he had that he had to read. Um but anyway, we knew that. Like we knew, we knew that the big question with Buckner was experience, and you know, would he, you know, would he be ready? We saw a little bit of that inexperience, you know, against Virginia Tech. He had the great start, uh, and then Tech ended up intercepting him twice. You know, and both times were all on the quarterback. Right, the the pick six was just you can't throw that ball, and even the second interception, he had digs. And he overthrew Diggs. I mean, yeah, it bounced off of Diggs' hands, but the only reason it bounced off his hands is because it was too high, and he and he, you know, he couldn't haul it in. So, I mean, I think you you're going to have those though. You're going to have those plays, but I think the reason you go with him, at least from my perspective, is you have a chance to have an identity at least for the final six games if he's your quarterback. Would you agree? Uh, sure. <laughs> I would I wouldn't I wouldn't have put it like that but that I see where you're going with that like I mean like we have a chance to be like again we have a chance to have the uh, an identity in that it's like okay we can actually run an, an offense we could work we could build on things and you know the run the running game comes back uh you know into into play because of Buckner so yeah that's that's what I was getting at My, the word I was thinking of is repeatable so it's yeah. It may, I, it, we're getting at the same thing, so that's why I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. Yeah. Um, so it, it's interesting that throughout all of the all of the quarterback shuffling and, and all those other things, every single game we have prepared as though Jack Cohn is going to be the starter so far. Yes. He has been – he has gotten the starter's share of the reps every week. Correct. Even after he got hurt against mm-hmm. uh, Wisconsin, he still got all those, all the at least half the reps, right? Yep. And every game plan has been for uh, Jack Cohn. And as far as we know, Buckner hasn't even gotten the backup reps. He's gotten his package reps. Now, obviously, he he knows enough of the playbook, right? Like there were there were some play calls that they ran that were pretty much like we saw. Um, we saw Pine run them and we saw Cone run them, right? So it's not like it's a complete package. They gave him some things. Yep. And and the thing is, is, you know, the, the, the theory behind, like, starting Pine, right, was that he gave you something that Buckner didn't have, which was, like, a better understanding of the offense and something that, that Cone doesn't have, which is the mobility. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Cone doesn't have any mobility at all. None. Or the pocket presence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Pine is 
is like he's not as good a thrower as Buckner, and he's not as mobile as Buckner, and he's not as probably accomplished a passer as Cone is in theory. Mm-hmm. So he's just kind of in the middle. Buckner, in theory, is kind of the best of both worlds, right? He's a accomplished passer and he's an accomplished runner. His knowledge is the thing that oh, yeah. is, you know, very much lacking. Knowledge, experience, poise, all those things. And so what we saw from him, like the mistakes he made, like the throw to um, you know, the pick six, right? Just throw it yep. to Avery Davis. You know, that's an easy recognition. Like, I'm not getting enough reps to say I shouldn't throw this ball here. I should just I need to look on the other side and throw it to the two curls that are wide open. Mm -hmm. The 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 near pick that he threw on just the out route to Avery Davis, like he throws it too soon. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's a timing problem. Right. Again, you need to get the ball. You need to get reps. The, The pick at the end is more of a. That's a physical error. Right. The, the the route is there. He needs to put that ball on the chest, right? And if you're going to be moving, like, he didn't need to be moving. That's his decision, right? So he's moving on the play, and he he tries to hit digs. He throws it too high. That's a physical mistake, right? And if those physical mistakes are the thing that don't get kind of corrected, then that kind of complicates it a little bit. But the rest of it, in my opinion, is – is just you need to give him the time. You need to give him the reps. You need to say this is who our guy is going to be going yeah. forward. And so because of everything that he adds, I mean, it's no coincidence that Buckner gets a ton of snaps and the running game looks better than it has all year. Yep. And there's no coincidence that suddenly Buckner comes in the game and we're not giving up line pressures and we're not giving up sacks and we're not this like that stuff just kind of went away. Yeah. And I think some of it had to do with Christophic entering the lineup and all, but I think also it's just a we'll different thing. It's a different thing. Um, when you're blocking for someone who can move around and yeah. the defense has to worry about, they can't just pin their ears back because if you give them a crease, like Notre Dame was giving creases and and they were hurt by it. The defense was hurt by it. So yep. um, you just have to, you, you, I think he, it's, he was good enough as a thrower to where you have to say the good is, is big enough to where we need, we can live with the bad. We need to take away just the awful, you know, the, the awful interceptions and, yep. you know, go from there. Yeah, I, I agree. And that is where, you know, that one question, let's see, I think it was Clutch Sports had asked. Yeah, Clutch Sports ND. Uh, you know, so, I mean, you kind of alluded to it a, a little where you said, um, and I think you, I, I, I got where you're, you're going with it, but um, where, you know, hit the question of, can he clean up the mistakes if he takes the first team reps? Which of these mistakes do you think he can clean up versus not? Or do you think he can clean? Or do you think it's all just reps? Um, well, so like, yeah. So the third one is not really reps. That's a yep. physical error. Yeah. Um, I think the other two are definitely reps. Right. But like even even not, not even the picks, right? Like look at the throw to Chris Tyree on the drive that didn't work out, right? Mm-hmm. Like I personally, I think Tyree needs to be a little bit more um, 
he needs to be a little bit more urgent, right? Like the guy who's who's over top of him blitzes. You're the hot read. Like get out of your break, get your head around, and catch the ball and make a move and score a touchdown, mm-hmm. right? Like that that needs to happen. But the timing there is a little bit off. The next play when he throws it to Davis, right? Like that Davis is kind of leaning one way and Buckner leads him another way and he throws the ball a little bit too soon. It's dropped that he's just not getting enough work with these guys on those yeah. types of plays. And then on the, on the screen, the Kyron, right? Just get the ball down, you know, get yep. it down and put it on his chest and, and let's go. Yep. That stuff it, reps will fix that, right? Like over time yes. that, that will get worked out. So those are the types of things. Yeah. But I think we both agree the recognition reading coverage is like, He'll get better, but I, I mean, I, I mean, given his relative just lack of experience overall, like even at high, at the high school level, I mean, those are things that I, I don't, if they roll with Buckner, I just hope most Notre Dame fans realize that that's going to like those kind of mistakes are going to happen like for the rest of the year. Like, I, I think we should start Buckner. I think he gives us the best chance to win each week because of everything that you've already said. But I also feel like there's going to be some bad mistakes just because he's going to I wrote this in in one of my articles uh, today. I was like every week he's going to see a lot of things that he's never seen before because you're going to have, you know, the defenses that Notre Dame is playing the rest of the way are not very good. Right. They're all like I think the highest rated defense Notre Dame plays the rest of the season is like in the 60s, maybe 70s overall. But at the same time, like all of those defenses have, you know, professional defensive coordinators who are paid a lot of money to, you know, to, to, to scheme up game plans. And like even a bad defensive coordinator, presumably, you know, is going to be able to scheme things up for a kid who's only played as little football as Buckner. So each week is going to be like an adventure for him. And it's going to be a venture for us if if they roll with Buckner, because he's going to go out there and. You know what? You would be a terrible defensive coordinator if, uh, you know, if, if you weren't throwing, you know, all sorts of crazy things at him down the, you know, down, uh, you know, down, down the rest of the season, knowing that, you know, he's played a little bit here. He's got basically one season. And I don't know any I don't I don't see, you know, Brian Van Goyter as a defensive coordinator of any team on our schedule. And there's the Brian Van Goyter reference for this pod. Uh, but, uh, so it, it's going to happen. Like he's going to have mistake. Like, and I think that's just kind of my point. Cause somebody else actually, you know, in response to that question was like, dude, reps week to week aren't going to make up for an overall, just, you know, lack of game experience, like overall, you know, high school and, and pro level or pro high school and, uh, and collegiate level. So I think you just got to live with it. If that's, if that's the route you go, I think we hundred percent should. Um, but I just want Notre Dame fans to be a little bit patient in that regard because, you know, that's not typically things that, that fans are, patience. Uh, and I have a, a guilty of that myself. So uh, that's just like what I think we will we'll see with Buckner. I think the the question, too, about the Buckner, you know, the Buckner-Cohen dynamic being similar to the Reese-Golson uh, dynamic that we had in 2012 is probably spot on. I think you're going to roll the if you roll the dice with Buckner, 
you you know cone is going to be there to be like to be that safety valve ish type type role uh you know in the event that i don't know i don't see any again i don't see any defenses on this schedule left that could do to buckner what michigan did to, to golson uh, what was that? Was that the second game of the season? No, no, that was not. They played Michigan end of September. It was, it was like the fourth. It was was it the third? I thought it was, no, I think it was the fourth. Okay, fourth. We the, there was Navy in in Dublin. There was Michigan State and Purdue. Yeah, and he had to come in against Purdue. Tommy had to come in against Purdue too. So his fourth his fourth start is when uh, you know he just got pulled. That was like what? It was the second quarter too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, is when uh, is when Golson got pulled against Michigan in 2012, and then Reese came in and had that glorious quarterback sneak touchdown. Um, but uh, I think that's kind of the that's what you that that's what Cohn will be for the next six games. Of you know he'll probably have to come in at times, and you know and it could also be if you know again if you need if you need one drive and it's a two minute two minute drill maybe it's Cohn because Cohn is. Seems like he's good at that, as you know. To you know, to your point. But um, and speaking of two minute drives, though, so like the the point of the game where I knew we we were we were in on Buckner and we were riding the Buckner train was when Buckner got to do the two minute uh, at the end of the first quarter because I was like, I see where this is going. Buckner's finally moving, <laughs> finally moving the offense, and I was like, I could just see him getting taken out right now and us getting the answer in the press conference of, well, we took him out then because he hasn't practiced two minute because he's not getting reps. But when he came out for the two minute at the end of the first half, I was like, okay, I, you didn't even need to ask. You didn't, they didn't even need to ask Brian Kelly who was going to quarterback the second half. I was like, we're going with Buckner. There's, there's no way you, you know, you roll with him for the two minute there if you weren't going to play him in the second half. So it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, the rest of the, the rest of the way. Um, and I think, Greg, I think you're, you're going to I think you're going to get to see the first start of the Tyler Buckner era. That is uh, that's nice. And you know, if that's if that's going to happen, that is uh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, we need to. Um, Ooh, you don't sound that that psyched, man. I would be. Well, his, 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 I'm not I don't want to get excited because uh, of the ankle, his ankle. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing about that, too. I me- I, I messaged this to you. Um, the thing that that surprised me about Buckner, uh, or you know, just like the whole di- again, the whole dynamic there at the end is Buckner had his helmet in his hand for that fourth quarter, you know, for those for those last two drives that Cone, uh, you know, that Cone that Cone had. So usually, if a guy's hurt to the extent that he's out, they take the helmet, especially a quarterback. And Buckner had his helmet, so that is just pure total conjecture, con, you know, conjecture on my part. It is kind of weird that nobody asked Brian Kelly that, uh, you know, after the game of like, uh-huh. what's up with his ankle? Is he okay? Is he is he gonna be fine? Which also makes me feel like, again, here we are. It's Sunday night. Nothing's been posted. Nothing's been leaked. Like I, I mean, I again, this is no inside information whatsoever. Um, right here, but it, like it just kind of seems like maybe it's not that bad, and like maybe he could have gone back in again because if he couldn't and he was hurt that bad, they wouldn't. He went in the tent and they didn't take his helmet. And I know it sounds weird, and maybe it sounds silly, and I'm just reaching for things. But hey, you know who didn't have a helmet from the start of the game was Michael Mayer, and that was our first indication that he wasn't going to play 
It's because he was dressed and didn't have a helmet. So, which also seems like an odd choice, like, to me. I mean, I guess maybe he was already dressed, and that's when they decided. But, like, wouldn't you rather be in, like, a, I don't know, like a track, you know, like your, your track suit and a little more comfortable, a little more comfortable. But um, <laughs> that's just, that's a preference, I guess. I mean, as somebody who's worn sweatpants almost every day for the last 18 months, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he would. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've actually been in a situation before where, like, you don't know you're not going to play a guy until it comes to it. And you're like, nah, I don't want to put you out there. Yeah. That's what I've I mean. So it must have been, been a late situation. I mean, and Kelly kind of said, like, up until the game, they thought he was going to play. And then they just, it was kind of more of a late scratch. So, um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, but again, just going back to all of the all of the the cone, you know Buckner, uh, you know Buckner dynamic. I think if Buckner is healthy, you were going to see him start. Uh, I just don't see I don't see any way, you know, around it. And Kelly even kind of had a, a, a an interesting comment at halftime when he was like, ah, "We've been trying to trying to be patient with him, but we just got to go. We just got to do it." And it's like, yeah, you do. Like the running game looked so much better. Uh, you know, with, you know, with, uh, with, with Buckner in charge and, you know, that, that also is a little chicken and egg because we also saw some changes on the offensive line uh, that, that might've, that might've played a factor in there. And we got a couple questions on the offensive line. So let's, let's load those up and we'll do kind of the same thing. We'll read the questions on the O-line. Actually, I think it's really just two. And then we will, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about the offensive line. But uh, yeah, we got um, Joe, Joe. Uh, I mean, I guess that's ESQ for Esquire. I don't know. Joe at ESQ um, uh, comes at us and says, "With Alton Christophic, did the line turn the corner in this game?" And then we got another one. Uh, where did it go? Uh, from our friend. Uh, man, I had this all loaded up, but. Uh, uh, from our friend Jude at uh, at one foot down. Let me open that back up. Where did it go? I just had it right in front of me, and now I cannot find it because uh, it was a really good question. He asked about. about he that, asked about. about um, yep, I'll paraphrase. Okay. I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm gonna read. Okay. We're, we're not gonna. We're not gonna paraphrase Jude. We're gonna read his <laughs> okay. question word for word. All right. All right? Okay. All right. This is what you do for your friends, Greg. So <laughs> the off-season rumor was Dylan Givens left Notre Dame because he couldn't beat out Rocco Spindler. Yet Givens has a better PFF grade, 60, than Andrew Kristoffic, 58.1, and Zeke Carell, 56.2. Spindler isn't playing. Do you think the coach's evaluation of Givens was wrong? That is a spicy question. And that's why I, also why I wanted to read it word for word, because uh, it's a good one. So... Where would you like to start on the offensive line? Let's start with the easy one, I think. Um, and then we could jump into Jude's question. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. The Christophic alt left side of the line looks like what we're going to see for the next six games. Hey, knock on wood, barring any other freaking injuries to our offensive line. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I mean, look, you, you should be rewarded for a good play. Right. Yeah. Um, Alt looked better than any tackle has besides Blake Fisher. And yeah. he had the one and, rough. And we know they like on him. early on. He had a couple rough reps. Um, 
which again, a true freshman's going to get. It was like, I think it was a, uh, a really nice spin move that he just was like, whoop, you know, kind of olayed on. I actually think on that one, yeah, Kyron chipping hurt him. Because you think he, he thought he was good to go. Okay. Yeah. So I think he was just going to sh- shove him away. And then Kyron chipped the defender, not knowing where Cone was, but he chipped the defender yeah. kind of back into the path of Cone. That's fair. Um, I, so I think Lug, I think Lug, uh, I mean, not Lug, oh. I think Alt was just going to to wash him away. And I think he would have worked out, but. You know, that was kind yeah. of unfortunate on his yeah, part. Yeah. But I mean, there were like two, two or three pressures all game. So, yeah. you know, look, that uh, that's by far their best performance, right? Like, yes. there's not. I mean, second and place tech is, is a, a tech. Is a tech is a pretty good defense, right? Weren't they top forty coming in? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, like that's not that's a good. I mean, it's not like a great defense, but it's I mean, they a they good down. They 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 held North Carolina to ten points. Exactly. So. I mean, that's yeah. North Carolina's got a good offense. So, um, so that's a pretty good defense that we played. Yeah. So, okay. oh, yeah, for sure. So, go on. So, so, so I, I just, I, I, I think that's what we're going to see. I, I think, I think they're, and we know they like Alt, right? They've been talking oh, yeah. about him for, you know, all summer, basically. So crazy so. to me still. And remember, like, I remember, you know, when we just started recruiting him, and it's like, ah, there's a new offer out. This is three star tight end that they think could play offensive line, and you're like, okay, maybe, you know. And I remember like reading up on him and doing the research. It's like, oh, his dad. Oh, that's that's his dad. Okay. And then you like, you're like, well, he's got, you know, he's got the genes. Then I remember reading up about like his dad did the same thing where he was like a high school tight end and just bulked up and like got big. And you're like, okay, all right, I like where this is going, but like never in my wildest. Like imagination, did I think Alt would be ready already? Because like that was everyone's like he's a he is a high 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 ceiling player who might be a little bit of a project. And you're like okay, you know that. But this seems like it seemed like a very very reasonable kind of you know risk to take, which doesn't even now it's like it wasn't even a risk, right? It's like oh shit, okay, this true freshman has come in and given some stability to our offensive line which is amazing um and what's even more amazing is that when blake fisher is healthy we are going to have a dilemma of where we have two freshman left tackle starting caliber left tackles that's pretty good right yeah i mean the line we've had so much bad happen to the line you know this year that like if that's a silver lining like okay, that's like a that 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 is so nice for next year, right? Alt's getting all this playing time. We know Fisher's elite, and and it's unfortunate that Fisher's not getting the experience in the playing time. But it's like okay, the the, the bookends of this offensive line look set for the next at least three years. Because now again, if you're too fresh, if you're true freshman starting tackles, like okay, maybe well, who knows now with injuries and all that. But um, still, that's that is that's that is a great that will be a a terrific dilemma to have, you know, when when Fisher is back. Yeah, but yeah, again, I I agree with you here too. In ter- do we gotta start disagreeing more, Greg? Should we just plan out disagreements? What well, like, do, do you want me to? Is this is this where you want me to say that uh, Alton Fisher aren't gonna work out? Whoa, you wait, what? <laughs> No, I'm saying like, is that 
I don't I, want I, you I, to. I, I know. I don't. I and I don't. That's why I'm not going to disagree on. I that. know. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I, I was just joking that we need to like oh, plan okay. plan out our disagreements ahead of yeah, time. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe on another too topic much for, for this pod to be as entertaining as it can. But anyway, <laughs> so um, no, I I everything you said makes perfect sense. Um, you know, in terms in terms of the line. I thought it was interesting that Kelly said specifically after the game, like, look, we love the, we love those two kids that we had out there, but you know, Christophic and Alt got 20 pounds on the guy each have 20 pounds, at least on the guy that they're replacing and we needed to get big and your results were, you know, were, were, were pretty good. If we could, if we could run on Virginia tech, I feel very confident that we can run on USC um, especially, you know, I don't, I haven't looked at the weather forecast, but a late October, you know, game against USC could be a little on the cold side. That program is not in a good shape. That could be, that could be one of those games where they just, you know, aren't really fully in it, uh, which, which is always good for us. Um, but they'll run on them. They're going to run on Navy. Uh, North Carolina is not going to, you know, jeez, <laughs> North, North Carolina's own head coach is telling the media that, you know, that they were, they, they, they overrated them, which was hilarious to read that. Um, who am I missing there? I, I mean, Stanford might be, again, who knows? Stanford is so Jekyll and Hyde, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, the, this year. So who knows what, uh, what they'll, uh, you know, what they'll, uh, come with, but I think this line is going to be able to to do some things against the remaining schedule because all of the tough defenses are now are now off the schedule. Uh, who is I missing? Uh, I was missing Virginia, but again, Virginia kind of hit or miss as well. Um, and then Georgia Tech, no no worries, still there on my side. But I think the thing that's interesting about all of this is that it took until the sixth game of the season to get to this alignment um, and. It goes. This this is where Jude's question really comes into play. Is you know, was there like take the Fisher injury off the board because again you can't plan for that. But the Fisher injury doesn't really impact the interior of the line. So was there a miscalculation, a misevaluation here? You know, in terms of in terms of the the interior of the line that maybe we could have been here six weeks ago. You know, maybe maybe we could have had Christophic as the opening day, you know, starting guard, or could we've had Dylan Gibbons as the opening day, you know, starting, you know, starting guard. What are your what's your take on that aspect of this? Well, my my take is who who was going to start over Gil, Dylan Gibbons that he decided to leave. He obviously would not have left if he thought that he had a starting job, right? Right. And so he leaves, and they they replace him with Kane Madden, which they probably wouldn't have done. Right. So who who would have started then? I don't know. That's the weird thing. It's like I guess Spindler is what the but thought that, that was the is, thought. I don't. The know, funny I mean, I don't. Thing is, I didn't. Of all the people who I know of all the people who have played, like we've played nine guys on the line, but know, Spindler yeah. is not one of them. So like where, what, what happened there? Like, that's the thing that I don't understand. Right. Is. And, and maybe, and maybe they, they had 
an idea that Madden was going to become available. And, you know, they said, we want to, that, that's our option, right? Mm. Maybe, maybe they thought we're going to try to go get a guard on the market. Yeah. And Gibbons didn't want to be a part of that. So he left, right? Maybe that's total speculation. I have no idea if that's true. In fact, yeah. I, I, in fact, that is not what I've heard. So, so, um, yeah. I'm just trying to understand because I don't understand why, um, I don't understand why Gibbons was told you don't have a spot. And so then Madden comes in and it's not like he played great. So then who, no. who was going to play? So that's the, yeah. that's the thing that I don't get. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it's fair to say like if there maybe was a misevaluation, right? Potentially. Yeah. Um, I would point out that like, it's not like Dylan Gibbons is uh, his PFF grade is like very high, right? Like, yeah. We're talking about a bunch of poor grades. So mm -hmm. um, it's not like he's out there with a 90 grade and it's like, whoops, yeah. you know, like it was it's poor also, play he's, regardless. He's also got a much bigger sample size than like Christophic. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of snaps, because Christophic's, if I'm not mistaken, his PFF grade uh, from the Virginia Tech game was pretty good. Uh, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, I thought I saw... I think I saw actually. I thought it was Jude, maybe that posted some of the bet. Was it him or I thought it was him? You know that posted some of the grades of uh, you know of the top Notre Dame players. Uh, you know from the you know from the you know from from the game. Uh, you know what he did. Christophic actually was not there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're good. Oh yeah. So um, I mean, I think. It's a great question because one, yeah, we we have no idea what what Gibbons was or wasn't, you know, what was or wasn't told. I do feel like coming out of spring, there was not a consensus of like, oh, you know, Gibbons is going to start, um, and maybe that was it. Maybe that was enough for him to be like, well, I want to go somewhere. I'm going to start. I don't know, uh, but I mean, that that wasn't the vibe. There was definitely a vibe of Spindler rising and Spindler playing really well and potentially being, uh, you know, an opening day starter along with Blake Fisher. But obviously that hasn't happened and he hasn't played at all. So that's a little bit weird as well because Spindler was playing, uh, you know, was was getting at least like second team reps in the spring and he looked pretty good, uh, you know, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the blue and gold game. Uh, so I'm not sure, you know, to be honest, uh, we definitely don't know. Um, I, I do think in general, the fact that we're in the sixth game of the season or we got to the sixth game of the season and it's like, well, just now we're kind of figuring out who our best alignment is. I, I don't like we, we've given Jeff Quinn credit on this pod where we think he should get it and, and Brian Kelly and, and, and whatnot. But you got to also got to question it when it's valid. And I think it's a valid kind of question. It's a valid question to say, well, Christophic has been there. Right. Christophic was there all spring. He was there all summer and all through camp. So why did it take you till now to say, well, he's probably our best bet? Right. And and maybe and again, I, I think I've said this maybe not necessarily on the pod, but I think I've said it probably to you over messenger or, or, you know, met, or you know, texting or whatever of like one of Kelly's faults to an extent is some of his loyalty in general. And I don't know, maybe. Maybe they were like, maybe they really, you know, just wanted to get Corral out there. And, you know, they were like, well, 
we'll play him at guard. We think he can handle it and didn't realize it. And he just, he wasn't holding up at guard and he's going to be, you know, he's going to be a center. Um, and hopefully again, you know, he steps in and takes over for Patterson next year and looks great doing it. I mean, he, Zeke Carell played center in the the Rose Bowl against Alabama and held his own. So I have no doubt he could be a very good starting center for this team. I think it's clear he wasn't necessarily a very good starting guard. Um, And he wasn't recruited to play. I mean, he was recruited to play center. So uh, I I think that if there's anything, there's a misevaluation there that it took this long to get to an alignment of, okay, now we have this, you know, for the next six games let's build on it uh so i think that to me would be the evaluation uh the the evaluation that i would question as to why it's taken so many different players and alignments i think something like a, a mistake that you know fans make and i've made it before myself so it's not like i'm separating myself or anything um i think the mistake we make a lot is we assume that something that happened today would have happened four weeks ago. Valid. And we don't know that that's true. The, the same thing is true with Buckner, right? Like, like you put in Buckner now. Well, why didn't we do this against X team? Or why weren't we doing this more against them? Like, maybe they just weren't ready yet. And, and you know, I, it, it's not that it's not fair to question how come you didn't go with uh, Christophic or Alt. Right. Like we've heard great things about oh, why, like, why now? Why wasn't he the one to come in? Why did it? Why did we have to go with Tosh Baker for all those those games when mm-hmm. Alt came in and was so much better? But maybe if he had come in originally, it wouldn't have gone the way that it went. Um, and we don't know that. What we do know is that they were giving, you know, Alt did get reps. They did find a way to get Alt in the game to increase his workload and they did um, get Christophic out there. Right. And that is to their credit, right? They didn't have to do that. They could have just continued to put out the same guys over and over again. And, you know, should, should they have made the move earlier? Perhaps. Yes. Right. That's, that's unanswerable from our position. All we can do is say what happened yesterday what we, all we've been talking about is improvement, right? We want to see improvement. We want to see you get better. Yeah. And the fact that we saw it is the thing that is kind of my focus, right? It, whatever happened before, like that spilt milk, right? Like there's nothing we can do about that. But the fact is, is that we saw, um, we saw a better product. We saw something that you feel like, okay, we can take this into next week and move forward with it. That happened on the offensive line. That happened at quarterback. So, you know, that that's kind of where I'm at with it. And then, look, at the end of the year, Brian Kelly will decide. And it's like you said before, if they want to fire Jeff Quinn, then Brian Kelly will fire Jeff Quinn, right? I'm not going mm-hmm. to freak out about it. But the fact of the matter is, is that Blake Fisher and Joe Alt look like real pieces. Yeah. And we're not talking about like guys who, oh, they have some experience like like Josh Luck, right? Oh, he's played in the game. And, you know, I mean, these guys look like they are going to be picked in the first round of the NFL draft. Yeah. And when you have that kind of talent. And who got um, it there? 
what's that? And said, and who got it there? Oh yeah, for sure. Like yeah. full credit, right? And and a lot of people don't want to give credit there, and that's fine. That's their thing. But my point is, is like when you have that kind of talent, like that's the separator, in my opinion. Is is like we can talk about you know development and all those other things. You need talent, yeah. and it looks like they've got the talent. So yeah, and hopefully we keep seeing it improve. Right over the yeah. over the course of the of the rest of the season. Uh, you know, continuity is one of the biggest things an offensive line needs. So, like, if we finally have it and we can say, okay, this is the line, this is what's playing. They did they did well against Virginia Tech. Now go do this against teams that have far worse defenses. Okay, you know, if you can do it, you can do it on the road against a pretty good defense. You 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 should be able to do it at home. You know, the next three games are at home against yeah. not good defenses. You know, uh, you know, USC is not a very good defense at all. And like I said, who knows? That team could quit, um, it, you know, by the, uh, you know, by the, I mean, they're, they're going to have a bye week too, but they're not looking like a, they didn't come off a strong performance last week. So, uh, you know, you got USC, you got North Carolina, which does not have a very good defense, uh, you know, coming in. And then you got Navy, which, you know, you outweigh them by a lot you should be able to you know to to run on them so three straight teams coming in without great defenses all inside notre dame stadium uh you know again you should be able to uh, you know to build on uh, on what we saw on what we saw against virginia tech you know specifically from the uh, from the offensive line but good questions again as always we're getting we're getting lots of good questions um one we haven't talked about the defense yet craig mm-hmm. and i was not the happiest as my tweets probably uh suggested uh just in general with some of what we saw from the defense uh you know specifically again you get notre dame spots in the 10 and it's like whoop not good comes back gets 14 you know it takes the 14 to 10 uh, to 10 lead virginia tech not a very good offense. Like I've given Virginia Tech's defense some credit on the pod tonight. Their offense is not very good, uh, and it hasn't been good. So they get the ball. What was it? Thirty-five seconds left in the first half, and we let them come down and get a field goal. That would, to me, was just like it. You you drop back and you're like, oh, we're just gonna we're gonna try to play the safe, and you ended up you you ended up giving up a field goal. Uh, and there, I mean, first of all, hats off to their kicker for just drilling that. What was it? 52, whatever, 51, 52 yards. And it had like 10 yards at least of distance on it. Uh, kid killed it. Uh, so, uh, so good. I mean, good on him for, for making the, making the field goal, but you, you just can't do that in that scenario. Like you're, this wasn't, you know, we us kicking off to Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence just, oh man. Yeah. He got us. You know, he completed a couple passes and got in field goal range. No, this was, you know, Braxton, you know, uh, Burmeister, who is not, when you look at the remaining quarterbacks, like going into last week, when you looked at the remaining quarterbacks Notre Dame was going to face, he was probably like, what, fifth, sixth, that you maybe would have mentioned in terms of who you're going to be worried about. So you let that up, which is not, you know, not ideal. Um, And then even it was like, this defense goes in stretches, it seems like, where, they just shut everything down or they just let up a lot of third downs. And that, that was what was killer last night. Uh, and it's specifically, I mean, the, the, the most, the biggest example was the third and 15 
when Burmeister's got a bum shoulder at this point, which, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, he looked like he was hurt, so it was kind of shocking that he came back in. But, uh, you know, he, he drops back. Like, you know he's not looking to throw because his shoulder is is not feeling great. Um, and we somehow let up. Uh, we let him run 18, 19 yards on third and 15 for a touchdown, which at the time made it a an eight-point, uh, you know, the, the eight-point lead, where if you just hold them to the field goal there, all you got to do is stop them on third and 15. And, uh, you know, and it's 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 less than a one-possession, or it's still, it's a one-possession game, but the touchdown gives you the lead instead of needing the touchdown and the, and the two-point conversion. So there was a lot. I mean, the defense did some good things, uh, you know, uh, last uh, yeah on, on Saturday night. But these these stretches where it's like, okay, they're just they it, it happened again. Uh, you know, I've uh, had my little rants on it on some of the other you know some of the earlier pods, but it seems to me, um, and this is what I wrote. Um, so interested to get your take on this, and maybe this is where we disagree because we didn't we didn't try this out beforehand. But where it seems to me is kind of the difference now that we're seeing, like, just take philosophical differences between Clark Lee and Marcus Freeman off the table, because we know they are night and day, right? Lee's the conservative, keep it, you know, keep everything in front of you, like, you know, keep the points down, defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, the aggressive, you know, let's create havoc, let's get the ball, you know, let, let's 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 create turnovers. So, I mean, there, there's, you know, obviously there's merit to both. To me, though, from a coaching perspective, what I saw with Clark Lee for three years as he was Notre Dame's defensive coordinator was, you know, teams needed to get on Clark Lee's defenses early because if they didn't, he was a, you know, just a master at in-game adjustments. And if you didn't get on on his defenses in the first and second quarter, you you just weren't getting on them. And he was he was brilliant, you know, after halftime. And Freeman, it seems, is a little bit more of like when his game plan works, it really, really works. Like, say, you know, uh, I think his game plan against Purdue was was really good, you know, coming out and playing more of the dime that we hadn't seen. His game plan against Wisconsin was great, obviously. I mean, Mertz helped by being a bad quarterback, but, you know, it his game plan, you know, led to, you know, led to all the led to all the turnovers. And I even think his game plan against Cincinnati was pretty good because, again, the defense was not helped by any means against, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, against Cincinnati. And he limited, like, you know, he, but the defense limited a better, a much better offense uh, in Cincinnati, uh, you know, better than they did, better than they did Virginia Tech. So it's like when his game plan really works, it's great. But like when it doesn't, he, he seems to not be as good of an adjuster um, in terms of being like, well, this, this isn't working. So I need to, change what i'm doing um versus he seems almost more like well i'm going to tinker a little bit um and that kind of felt like that with with uh you know with the game last night because it's like every time they had success it was usually like burmeister like rolling out and escaping and you know and picking up yards or kind of you know kind of ad living um and that was my take you know on on the defense it's obviously still still a work in progress but i was very surprised that Virginia Tech moved the ball like and I know they didn't have as many explosive plays, but I was surprised that they had the success that they did 
just because I thought they were not nearly as good of an offense as Cincinnati, uh, for instance, and, and we held them, you know, much better a week, uh, you know, a week prior. What are you, what were your thoughts overall though on defense in general? Um, I kind of have two minds of it. I thought okay. it was their, I thought it was their worst game. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a disaster. I guess there were, no. there, were por- there were portions of it that were bad. Yeah. Um, the third and 15 is just like, how? Right. I mean, they're, they're like, right. There are individual plays that are just like, why aren't you spying at this point? Like uh, late yeah, in the game, right? When, when you have the, when you have the, um, when you have the, you know, the backup quarterback in, who's not a good passer, right? Like wh- why is he running for a first down on third and nine? Right. Yeah. That, that just shouldn't, you should have someone just watching him. Um, and the same thing with Burmeister at the end. Like, why Why is everyone's back turned? Yeah, that was, that was, was crazy. For? Like, that doesn't make sense to me, right? Like, that as a strategy. I don't get that. Um, I thought the, the thing about the, the thing about the adjustments is, I didn't think there was a big, like, oh, adjustment to make. Like, they're killing this with this X thing, right? Because they, they kind of weren't, right? Like, like, so you look at, like, 69 plays they ran. And there was something like 320 yards. Like, that's 4.4 a play. Like, that's right. that's not good offense, right? Um, there are There are things that they're giving up that are just kind of annoying. And it was one of those games where I thought Bracey struggled beyond his interception, right? Like that yeah. was that was kind of out of nowhere. And to be clear, it's a great play. Like it's yeah, yeah. it's a great play, and it allowed Notre Dame to take the lead in the second half, and that was very important, right? Um, I thought he struggled otherwise. I thought Clarence Lewis struggled again. Yeah. Um, Cam just kind of oh. came back to earth a little bit, right? And so. You know, it was one of those games where it's like you're in a lot of one-on-one, and they and they, I just felt like they kept beating us. Yeah, that missed and, tackle was rough. And that's man. where the and that's, I mean, look, they were they they were hadn't given up anything on third down in the last three weeks. I mean, they went from 90th to 10th nationally yeah. over the last three weeks on third down, and this team went eight of, I guess it was 17, which is crazy. And they were eight of 16 at one point. And Desmond so, Ritter didn't do that to us, but right. Paxton no, nobody did. did right. None of those guys. And so I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a scheme problem, right? Like, I don't think that, that Virginia tech came into this game and was gave us something that we hadn't seen or weren't ready for or whatever. Like they were just, they were just beating us on plays. Um, I don't, I've never liked it. And this is something that Clark Lee did do. I've never liked blitzing Kyle on third and long because you're taking him out of coverage. He's your eraser. It just takes too long. I don't like blitzing any safety on third and long because it takes too long for them to get there. The quarter, the quarterback can always see it and they, they know where to get the ball out right away. Yeah. And so I just feel like if it's not getting home, then you're just wasting a player in coverage that can be doing something else. Yeah. I mean, Kyle has been, I I don't know that he has one sack in his career. I don't remember one now. And so it's just stop doing it. Right. Don't. 
um, don't blitz the safeties anymore on third and long, right? You want to do a run blitz? Fine. I don't, I don't like it on like third and whatever. No, I on agree. The, on on yeah. the main, I felt like the defense was just tired. I think they were a step slow all night. I think we saw that at corner. I think we saw that at linebacker at times. Um, we didn't see it at the front seven. And, you know, coincidentally, that's the unit that gets the most rotation throughout the game, throughout the season. I, I think that Bertrand is gassed. I think that Drew White was gassed. I, I mean, look, they're talking about giving Kyle rest, and they did sit him out a few plays. Two. But the point is, is like he's not in the game. Yeah, it why would you, it's only why two would you, plays. Why, why would you even consider doing that? Yeah. You only consider it if you feel like he's getting beat up, if he's yeah. getting run down a little bit. So if you're if you're talking about we need to give Kyle some rest, it's not because everything's just fine. Yeah. So I I just think they are I think they are tired. I think they needed the buy. I think yeah. they were a step slow all night. And on that front, it was their worst performance. Yeah. And because I just everything seemed reactionary. You know that they weren't on the front foot is a term that I've I've used before. It's like you're you're on your back foot. You're not yeah. on your front foot. And yeah. and so you know, and it's not like there were there were um, consistent bad play, right? You know, it's ten nothing, and you get it to you get it to fourteen nothing, um, or you get it to it's ten nothing, and you yeah. you score fourteen straight, right? And the defense is obviously getting stops throughout that. You know, obviously the the the, the drive before half was not right. my favorite thing. Um, yeah. So, but then the pick six, right? Like that gives them a touchdown that the defense yeah. hasn't given up. Well, I mean, so. if you take that away, they scored twenty three because they did miss the one, or they didn't get the two pointer uh, on the one. So it was it was twenty three, I think, points scored on offense uh, in by by Virginia Tech. Which they scored 21 on Richmond, um, and again different game and all that. But yeah, it it was not a good game, you know, from from the Notre Dame defense. And I, I thought the Notre Dame defense took some unfair criticism after the Cincinnati game because I thought again for the most part they played pretty damn well against Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a much better team than Virginia Tech. What did nah, I forgot already? What did since he since he put up almost 50 on Temple? You know, five six days later, after uh, you know, after the Notre Dame game, it was something like that. So, uh, fifty-two, they put up fifty-two points, and not that Temple's, you know, some sort of powerhouse, but point being, it's a pretty good offense. Um, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame held them. It, the Notre Dame defense held that Cincy team pretty well, all things considered. Right, fumble kickoff, uh, you know, and all of the uh, and everything else that we spotted them. So. Uh, it, it just that that last night was uh, uh, it was a little rough, uh, and it, it was it was particularly the third and longs that they just kept giving up. That you were like, how? You know, it's not it wasn't a great offense that we were uh, that we were facing. So to your point, I think everybody on this team needs the bye week. I think the fans need the bye week after that game. <laughs> I think. 
The staff needs it, although I know the staff's going to do a lot of recruiting. Um, the team needs it. They're banged up. You know, you need to get, hopefully the bye gets his mayor back. Hopefully Buckner is fine. Uh, you know, Tyree, there we had a question, uh, you know, about Tyree that came in about why he wasn't playing. And he had, uh, Kelly said actually after the game, you know, he had a bit of turf toe. So hopefully he could come back, uh, you know, and play, uh, and that he's fine for, you know, for USC. But, um, I mean, just in general, this team was, was, was down a lot of players, um, against Virginia tech. And it's a testament to them and the culture of the program that they came back and won. And you know what? One thing we, we didn't mention specifically that we should have when we were talking about the quarterbacks is just Jesus, like hats off to Jack Cohn. Because, uh, I mean, there, there's not a lot of players who could do what he did, where, you know, he gets benched again. Second game in a row, he's getting benched. Didn't sulk. You know, uh, he was a great teammate. You know, he was cheering for Buckner when Buckner, you know, one of the first ones over to, to congratulate Buckner when he got his first touchdown, his first rushing touchdown. Uh, and it was just he was there when Buckner got hurt. You know, he was ready. He didn't and, you know, he didn't let it uh, didn't let it affect him. So and man, some of the things I saw people tweeting about Jack Cohn were just come on, guys, like. 22 23 year old kids uh you know playing playing a game where they're not i get you know some of them are making some money but they're not really getting they're not getting paid they're not professionals um and jack Cohn, all he's done is been like a perfect teammate and a perfect you know representative of notre dame so you could argue maybe he shouldn't start we we both did today um saying that we should roll with buckner but hats off to him for being coming off the bench and just being as clutch as he was um, and it was the whole team, though. Like, you know, that this is a game. We've said it a bunch of times this year. We said it against Toledo. Um, you know, we said it against Florida State. This is a game Notre Dame used to lose. 2016, we lost eight games like this. Hey, <laughs> where you're like, well, we should have won, but we lost. No, the Virginia Tech game. Remember the Virginia Tech game in 2016? We jumped out to the 17 nothing lead at home and lost to them. So it, it's... It, it, it's a testament to the culture and the program that uh, people probably don't want to give Brian Kelly because it wasn't a 30 point win, but Hey, I will, I will gladly give that uh, gladly give that credit here. But uh, no, I, everybody needs to buy. I need to buy you, you know, and just, uh, <laughs> we just in general, uh, that game was draining um, and we didn't play. Imagine what it was like for those who were, who were involved, but we got two more questions. I think Greg, Mm. Um, on one comment, maybe just, maybe just the one question. Um, and one kind of, we got a review that was left on Twitter. So we're going to read that one too. But, um, so here's one at, uh, we got from Drew Brennan at Drew Brennan 77. Thank God we won last night, but where would the, the Notre Dame fan base be right now? If it down 22, 29 code led a four and out with pine available. And then Virginia tech ran out the clock and won. What would folks' perception of Brian Kelly be? I mean, to me, that's like a hypothetical that like is not it didn't happen. So like why uh, I mean, I, I would say there's not really much to 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 dive into. It's like, well, yeah, what if what if Buckner, you know, didn't score the touchdowns early? right? What if I don't know, what if uh, you know, what if he started pine? 
and uh, you know, and Notre Dame looked worse. I don't know. You could play a lot of the what if games. At the end of the day, the buttons that Kelly pushed worked to get a to get a win. And you know, you can argue of whether or not maybe you know you touch you you push different buttons and uh, you know and and it wouldn't and it would have been a little bit easier. But I don't know, like. Yeah, I mean, in that scenario, I guess people would be pissed today. But guess what? Cone didn't lead a four and out. Cone came in and, you know, he marched him down. He got the eight points. And then he marched him down and kicked a field goal again. And Virginia Tech didn't run out the clock. So none of that happened. So I, I would say, you know, yeah, people would be upset. But guess what? None of that happened. So people shouldn't be upset today. And I've seen some Notre Dame fans who are still upset because it's like, wow, I should have done it. Like, we won the game. Notre Dame won the game, five and one, going into the bye, answered some questions. Could argue that you should have answered them sooner, but guess what? We didn't. And whatever. Here we are. We're five and one and got still got a lot to play left, uh, a lot to play for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, you know, I. To answer the question, people would be very upset. Yeah, but you can make people, that against any game. Upset. Right? <laughs> what if Notre Dame? What if Notre Dame didn't get you know three pick six or no whatever two pick sixes, uh, you know, and, and four interceptions against Wisconsin? Like, well, maybe we wouldn't have won the game if we didn't get four interceptions, but we got the four interceptions, right? What if Door misses in overtime against Florida State? Yeah, people be people be upset that we blew that lead, but we didn't. So. I think there's going to be the quarterback debate will rage on. Um, I still, again, I've still seen people saying that Pine, uh, you know, should be the quarterback, which, hey, we both said, you know, if the options were Pine and Cone, start Pine. Uh, that didn't happen. If the options now are start Cone and Buckner, start Buckner. Um, clearly, you know, the coaches are seeing something that we are not. Um, so, there's got again, they are coaches that make, you know, the money that they do, uh, you know, to to do well, typically don't make decisions that they think are going to be bad. Uh, so there's something that they're seeing that we're not, um, you know, in that, you know, in that in that regard. But um, no, I think uh, it all worked. It, it, it all worked out. And guess what? That tends to happen. With Brian Kelly, it's happened 107 times now with Brian Kelly, where it works out the way, the way we want it. Well, maybe not the exact way we want it to. Sometimes it doesn't unfold the way we want, but uh, the outcome tends to tends to be what we, uh, you know, what we want it to be. Um, oh, here's the comment that uh, that I thought was uh, was pretty interesting. It is from. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. The name is South Georgia thinks uh, Atlantans are Yankees. Um, is, the, is the name uh, on uh, you know on Twitter, and it says not a question but a comment. Drew White um, is what he is, but there was a play last night where he read it correctly and he met the runner in the hole, and the pads were popping so loud it made me so damn happy. That dude loves football. And interesting thing about White, I think it was Matt uh, Freeman at ISD that posted this. I can't remember if it was him or not now. Um, that. Drew White uh, had his ankle taped earlier in the year and every other game this year, he had his ankle taped and it wasn't taped last night. And I think it was Matt that posted that, but do you, did it you was, see that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, here he goes. Observation. Drew White played with a heavily taped ankle this season tonight, no tape and he's flying around 
four tackles on the night. And that was not at the end. He ended up with six tackles. Um, so that's a pretty interesting observation because that we did see a little bit of the Drew White that I was expecting more. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago where we were like, what happened to him? You know, he was a tackling machine and now, you know, now he's not. So who knows? Maybe that did play a role. Here's another fun, fun stat from last night. Greg, are you, are you ready for this one? It's a fun I'm re- Drew I'm, White I'm ready stat. For it. Drew White set a career high in tackles for loss against Virginia Tech on Saturday night. It was only two, which also seems crazy to me uh, because it feels like he's had games where he's had more than two tackles for loss. But two tackles for loss credited in the official game notes as a uh, as a career high for, uh, you know, for Drew White. Pretty interesting. So good. Good game for him. He he looked a little bit. He looked a little bit better and maybe mass on to something. Maybe, you know, there was something, you know, that. uh was 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 limiting him and he played better last night so i think that was the last question that we had um we had one more well no we had one from uh from mike winchell said greg said to me and tyler oh do you know how to pronounce tyler's last name i actually don't i need to talk to him about that neither do i um and i should because i mean it looks like a polish last name um and uh i am polish but uh i don't speak the tongue anyway he said uh, that you said to uh, to Mike and Tyler one game, in my mind, I know how this goes. Did the game go as Greg thought in his mind last night? Just like it. Just like it, you know? Just He's- like it. You know what? No, I, I was referring to um, that was when we were talking about Cone starting. Yeah. And it actually did. <laughs> I, I, I saw it kind of like, yeah, we're going to scuffle like we always do with um, – with Jack Cohn and he's going to take bad sacks and we're not going to complete passes. And it's going to be a real bummer. And I'm going to be very upset. And, uh, and then obviously things took a turn. So it did initially. Yes. And then late. No. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that game, I know that game did not go how anybody thought. Um, no, nobody thought that that would go the way that it did, but um Let's see. All right. We got uh, one more comment here uh, from Shamrock Sushi at ND Sushi. Not not a question, just a comment. Just says, uh, just got to say, dig the pod. One of the best out there. Thanks for help, helping us make sense of the season without screaming or thinking the sky is falling. You know what? No, thank you for your comment. And that, again, I love when we get these these types of comments because that's that's our that's our our whole our whole shtick. Because yeah. we're not we're not going to yell and scream and say everything is terrible when it's not. Um, we're going to say things are bad when we think they're bad, um, but we're always going to try to see, try to see the forest through the trees, so to speak, and 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 see where this uh, you know where this team is headed. And hey, it's headed now into the bye week at five and one. Uh, it's it may be an ugly five and one, but guess what? You know what? There's no. Uh, there's no beauty contest in the uh, in the standings, uh, you know, in terms of in terms of your record. And we're a five and one football team right now. You got six games that Notre Dame is probably going to be favored in, at least as of today. If Notre Dame was to play all six teams left on the schedule, pretty sure they'd be favored in every single one. I don't know. Maybe you got only like two real road games, um, you know, left. So maybe those would be, I don't know, maybe Stanford. But I, I doubt it. Um, but uh, it's 
there, there's a lot left for this team, you know, to, you know, to, uh, to, to play for. They do have a chance. Like it, they, they, they could easily win this, win out. Um, they could, they could also lose two games, you know, and, and probably both of those, both of those scenarios might actually be equally probable at this point. Uh, you know, in terms of the, if, in terms of somebody running, you know, somebody running analytics and numbers and whatnot, but, um, Hey, it's good to be five and one. It'd be better to be six and zero. Oh, obviously, love to be six and zero oh with the with the the chaos season that's uh, you know that that that's upon us. Speaking of, hats off to the Aggies from Texas A and M, my wife's alma mater, for slaying Goliath on uh, on Saturday night. Um, funny story about this, Greg, and I know we're we're already pushing here our, our time, but um, funny story about how we watch this A and M game. So. Um, you know, normally we've been very lucky this year and the A&M and Notre Dame games have not been on at the same time. So it's been pretty easy to share the big TV, uh, you know, uh, you know, the main TV in our living room. And I was like, well, you know what? Notre Dame was on a little bit early. I'll let you have the big TV. I'll go up to the, my office, uh, you know, and, and, and watch, uh, you know, and watch the game up there. You know, that's fine. You know, you the little things that you do for your pregnant wife, right? Um, and she was like, "It's okay." She was like, uh, "She's like, it's pretty." The A and M game is probably not going to be great, so she's like, "I'll just watch it on my laptop, and maybe we'll put it on the big TV at at some point if the Notre Dame game ends early." And we're like, "I was like, okay." I was like, "I'll, I'll stay down here with you." Um, and then A and M jumps out to the lead, and we were like, "Well, now we we can't put it on the big TV." Like we just can't, we can't do it. We gotta, we gotta leave it on the laptop. So even during halftime of the Notre Dame game, we had the AM game on the laptop. Wouldn't put it on the big TV. Even after Notre Dame game had ended, we watched the fourth quarter on our couch, like huddled up next to her laptop because we were like, well, we can't, you can't change it now because then if AM loses, it's our fault. So that was how we watched. Uh, was Seth Small nail the uh, nail the game winning field goal to. Uh, to to snap A and M's record of or you know a hundred straight wins against uh, unranked opponents, and guess who's got the re- guess who's got the longest active streak in the country now, Greg? Uh, Notre Dame. That is correct. The Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, thirty six in a row over unranked opponents, and it looks like uh you know it, that that streak could could. Uh, you know, could be, I mean, it could be 42 by the end of the year because I don't think anybody in Notre Dame plays the rest of the way is going to be ranked or it could end because uh, also I don't think, uh, I don't, none of these teams are going to be ranked by the time we play them. So any, any closing thoughts? One person I didn't mention at all that deserves mentioning is Logan Diggs. We talked about a lot of the youngsters who played, but man, did he look smooth. He, you, we saw the clips of him in the summer and you're like, whoo. Kid looks smooth. Kid looks like he's got vision. And then he gets in the game, and guess what? He looks smooth. And that one run in particular that he had where he just showed, like, ridiculous patience. I was like, oh, yeah, he's, this is – it's not it, – He's this is legit. He's going to be a good running back. Um, I think it was – what was it, third quarter where he where he got it, and he just, like, he waited, he waited, he waited, and then boom. And it wasn't like a huge like 30 yard gain, but it was just like, damn, for a freshman in that scenario, playing on the road, loud environment, uh, to still be able to do that. I was like, whew, okay. I like uh I like what I'm seeing. 
Yeah, he looked good. I, I, I liked a little bit, a little, little bit of wiggle on the interception. Actually, that was intended for him. He put a nice little shake on the linebacker. He had created space for himself. So yeah. Oh, he was open um, on that play. That was just a yeah. bad. It was, a, it was it was high, high and hot, and that's why that was an interception. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah. Any anything else you you haven't mentioned that you wanted to? No, I think I uh, pretty much covered everything. All right. Ranging. We did. We did. We had some good questions. No official reviews on Apple this week, guys. So leave us and gals, leave us some reviews. Uh, you know, we like to read them as uh, you know, as you uh, as you can tell. But hey, we're heading into the bye. We'll figure out our bye week, uh, you know, pod scheduling as well as, you know, next week, USC preview. Uh, as you guys know, I got some things going on here and uh, Greg's going to be traveling out. So we'll figure out, you know, uh, you know, when and uh, and all of that. But uh, as always, you know, thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for submitting your questions and, uh, and, and tuning in. We appreciate you all. And hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully next post game pod. We're also talking about a big Irish win because uh, Greg's going to be there in, uh, you know, in person. And uh, we don't like to lose the USC. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. As always, go Irish.